What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Hobby Talk with Mike O. I'm really excited today to be talking to my friend Dave Kaminke. Today we'll be talking about an array of stuff. A little bit about Dave's PC. Loves to PC his favorite teams, along with Hall of Famers, rookie cards, anything, I guess, that catches his eye. We'll also talk a little bit about the National coming up and how much fun that is, the incredible experience it is beyond just the card show. And we'll just kind of talk about whatever comes up. So, Dave, how you doing? Good, Mike. Uh, thanks for having me on. Definitely excited to have you on. So, Dave, we've gotten to know each other a little bit over the last few years. We uh, we met through YouTube, watching each other's videos. And, of course, that kind of springs into other social media, such as Facebook. And there's a lot of uh, ways to connect online. That's uh, 100% accurate there, Mike. Um, you know, you're loving your Patriots, and I'm a... You know, New York Jet fan, so I hate Tom Brady. You love him. And, uh, you know, I'm a big Mets fan. You love the Phillies. And uh, I think they're playing tonight. I'm not sure what the score is. It was 2-2 last time I looked. Well, but, I mean, I think you're, it's in your best interest to not pay attention to what's going on in the top of the ninth <laughs> inning. I, I can just say that uh, at the time of this recording, the Phillies and Mets are playing game one of a series. And – uh the Phillies have struggled a lot in the last two, three, four weeks, and uh, the one, the one team they're doing all right against is the Mets right now. Well, they're in the, you know, the they're in the Mets bullpen right now, so you're probably pretty safe for a victory tonight, knowing how they've been playing this year. So, yeah, it's been a struggle for the uh, for the Mets. Hey, that's the way uh, baseball goes. We still have a half a season to go, so it's going to be interesting to see how things uh, develop, but. Dave, let's uh, kick things off uh, talking a little bit about some of the stuff you collect. Uh, obviously, you you love the hobby, so you kind of collect uh, a little bit of everything, I guess. But uh, like me, you do like to collect your PC teams, the teams that uh, the teams you like to follow. Those include the Jets, the Mets. I know you collect some Yankees stuff as well, and the New York Knicks. Yep, I do a little bit of the New York Giants as well uh, for football. Um, I got like two hockey cards of the New York Rangers, but don't really collect too much hockey. But yeah, I'm a three sport um, collector, uh, mostly like the Mets, Mets and Mets, um, Mets and Yankees autographs, um, base cards. Love making the binders and uh, collecting the rookie cards. And then uh, you know, I also collect all the other things too, all the um, really good players that are uh, mostly retired guys. Um, so I collect autographs of them, guys from the eighties, nineties, and some hall of famers. And then, uh, really rookie cards, eighties, uh, nineties, and, uh, some modern day stuff. So when you're collecting a lot of these guys, is it more a nostalgic thing? Is that why you kind of gear towards the retired players? Um, yeah. So it's guys I've respected in the game or just like the way they played. Um, guys that I grew up watching. Uh, mostly, and then you know the Hall of Famers. Obviously, didn't I never watched them play, but um, just for what they've done for the game, that's um, why I, I enjoy collecting their autographs as well. Yeah, I think there's something. It, it's fun, obviously, to collect Hall of Famers and the big value guys, the guys who made a massive impact on the game. But you know, I think just collecting players that made an impact on you is definitely extremely satisfying. You know, 
The guy doesn't have to be a Hall of Famer. He could just be a really good player. Um, but if it's someone you have memories of watching or, you know, you enjoyed following their career or you liked them for whatever reason, I think that always uh, gives some added value. It doesn't always have to be about the monetary value, but there's an added value to collecting players you like, you enjoy, you respect, have memories of. That's definitely uh, one of the many fun aspects of this hobby. Yeah, for sure. So, like, you know, like I said, most I collect is like a lot of the some of the older Mets and Yankees, but like I got autographs of guys like Sid Bream and Terry Pendleton and Doug Drabeck and go alongside with my, you know, um, Frank Robinson, Lou Brocks and Ozzy Smith. So they're all great players and uh, I enjoy collecting autographs of all of them. Yeah, Sid Bream and uh, some of those guys on the Pirates back in the day, uh, the, the Braves players, Terry Pendleton, they're guys that, you know, growing up, you would see on television a lot. You know, before you had as much national exposure, I mean, nowadays you can see just about every team kind of whenever you want via the internet or TV. But I feel like back uh, back in the 80s and 90s, that's when you had, you'd see your local team and then you'd get those occasional national games, but you'd really get the national exposure when these teams would be in the postseason, which Obviously, those players uh, definitely had a, had several years there where they would find their way on that uh, October uh, October stage. Oh, yeah, for sure. So even like for me, you know, living in Texas, um, moving from New York as a kid, I didn't get very many Mets and Yankee games. Um, Yankees, I got a lot more when they came to the, in the postseason and a little bit of national TV. But for the most part, I had to watch a lot of baseball and a lot of different teams um, when they were on a lot of new Texas Ranger games. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, the team specifically, the Jets. They've they've had their struggles. They obviously had their runs too. They had a couple of years there where they'd reached the uh, AFC Championship, but uh, off and on, their team that's they're still building right now. But obviously, as a diehard fan of a team, you enjoy collecting. You collect what you can. Maybe some base team sets, maybe some hits. Obviously, when a team struggles, you can get some. Really nice cards, pretty cheap. They don't hold much value. But uh, when a team gets an early draft pick and drafts a franchise quarterback or the hope of a franchise quarterback, a guy like Sam Darnold, have you uh, had a chance to kind of pick up much of his stuff yet, or are you kind of holding back right now? I'm still trying to – I'm holding back a little bit. You know, I did get burnt on the, the Geno Smith and the Bryce Petty PCs, so um, – but now I've got a couple of some base, some base rookies of Sam Darnold. Um, I'm probably going to get an autograph of him sometime this year. He's still a little bit pricey. I don't really want to spend like a hundred dollars on an autograph yet. Um, but I'm going to eventually. I'm going to. I need at least one for sure. I would um, think his second year autos should be at least a little cheaper than the rookie autos. You would think at least, right? Uh, I'm assuming they're going to be. I'm just trying. I don't want to get like a sticker. I want a nice on card, and that's one thing why I've, I've not picked up any Darnold yet. There's not a whole lot of ones that are, I think, are really good looking cards that are reasonably priced. So I'm kind of going to wait for something that comes out that I really like, and then I'll jump all over it. You have a favorite Jets card? Probably my 1986 Altoon rookie. My favorite, one of my favorite cards as a kid, and I have a. I think I graded it. My mine didn't grade very well. Got a six, but uh, I'm still happy to display it in the house. And then I also got my uh, Joe Namath um, five-star booklet that I really like. And then uh, my 
Joe Namath, Chad Pennington, Dual Auto. Those would be my three favorite Jet cards. Five star. Definitely missed the five star football. Um, thankfully, we obviously yeah. saw baseball being produced, but five star is just such a beautiful set. A great way to add an awesome looking card of a player you enjoy. So it, it is frustrating the state of the hobby when you have sticker autographs that you have to look out for a lot. Do you have a uh, an opinion on stickers? I mean, obviously you're trying to get some on cards, but I mean, do you kind of accept them in some situations? Yeah, so it just depends on the player and the card. Um, so a good example of a recent card that just came out is uh, – Pops Museum this year. They have Carlos Delgado in a Mets uniform. There's not much out there with him in a Mets uniform, and uh, this one comes with a nice patch, uh, but it is a sticker auto, and the card still looks pretty nice, and uh, that's something I'd probably pick up. Maybe sometimes if the sticker is hidden really well, I don't have a problem with it, but some of the stuff like, I would say, contenders, the sticker autos on those are just awful, where you can just... It's, Total, obviously, there's a sticker there, and those are things I'm just going to avoid. Like the museum was something I would, I, I still would jump on, and maybe even like a Hall of Fame guy that the cards still look pretty nice. I don't mind the sticker, um, but for just a normal autograph card, I probably try to avoid it. Yeah, I understand. There's some situations where they're going to use the stickers. I just what I don't get with Benini is when they're using them on super high end products. Like products that are three, four hundred dollars a box, I think that's fairly ridiculous. Tops does do it with certain products like Triple Threads and Museum Collection, but they at least do it on those relic cards that they have to piece together. Obviously, the production time is a little longer on those, but if you look at like the base autographs in the set or the ones without material um, or relics, those are on cards. So. I will pick up the sticker autographs from time to time, but it's certainly not my preference. I just, I don't think there's ever been a time where I said, oh, this card looks better with the sticker autograph than the card being signed itself. And my thing is, would you really want to buy an autograph baseball with a sticker on it or a bat or something? I mean, probably not, right? So. Oh, no, no way. I mean, yeah, so, like, even, like, we just talked, like, the museum and, like, some of those uh, relic stuff that have to have the sticker. It's understandable. Um, but, yeah, like, National Treasures, there's there's absolutely no reason why there's have sticker autos in those products. Like, even I was looking at um, trying to find a nice Warren Moon autograph, and half of them are stickers, and then but I can get the on-card for the same exact price as the sticker most of the time. So why would I go with the sticker? Because it, all because it's national treasures. Why would I even? I'm not going to do that. So yeah, they shouldn't yeah. have like those high end products. Shouldn't have it. Yeah, I mean, there's some super low end products. So be it. And there's even some things, and I don't like it. But like Topps Chrome Update Baseball, the stickers look ridiculous on that. I mean, stickers on top of Chrome looks terrible. But I at least understand that's a product that they kind of rush out and they put it out to retail only. And when it's a retail product, like you have to get it out by a certain time before the season's over or the retailers aren't going to want it. So I kind of get it. They toss the stickers on it. I understand why they're doing it. I still don't like it and I'd prefer it to be on card, but you understand the purpose of it. There's other times where I sit there and look at it and I'm thinking like, what, what? 
what was the reason they decided to place a sticker here other than to completely, you know, rush the thing out and save costs? But, oh, well, it is part of the hobby. It's something we we obviously have to live with. Some people don't mind it. Some people could care less. If you're any type of autograph enthusiast, you definitely should be anti-sticker autograph. Again, it doesn't mean you don't accept them in some cases, but on card is certainly the way to go whenever you can do it. Oh, for sure. I mean, like, unless you're like a player collector where you have to have every card of a certain player, um, then you kind of deal with the stickers because that's what it is. You're trying to get every card, but you can avoid it. Um, you might as well just avoid it, in my opinion. So, like, I got a couple of cards here in front of me. Like, I have a sticker here, John Taylor autograph I just got. Um, I don't really care for John Taylor that much, but I do use it was a good player, so I you know, autograph of them, so I just picked this up. Um, but that's because I just needed the, I just needed an autograph of them. So it was not a big deal. It was like five hours shipped. But if I'm going to try to get like someone I like, like a Daryl Strawberry or Dwight Gooden, um, I'm not going to pay for a sticker. <laughs> I'm going to get a nice on card and go from there. How about the uh, Knicks collection? I, I mean, I, I think your focus, at least to me, has always seemed to be on baseball and football a little more so but i do know you have uh you collect some knicks cards you got some patrick ewing cards you have uh anything you want to talk about with that pc no so it's the same as same as all the most of the other stuff it's a lot of the older knicks when knicks are pretty good i don't watch too much basketball anymore so i'm not i don't follow the knicks as much as i used to and they're not on tv as much as they used to be um but I like, you know, I collect the guys I watched growing up in the nineties, um, early two thousands, maybe with the Allen Houston's and Rachel Spewells. But it's a lot of, yeah, John Starks, Patrick Ewing, uh, Larry Johnson. I said Allen Houston and, uh, guys like that. I'll usually, I want to, I get all their autographs. Usually just need like one of each player. Um, I do, I do have a couple of John Starks. He was my second pair of players. So I got about five or six autographs of him, but. Mostly it's like a lot of the old retired Knicks that I collect. Again, it's definitely fun to kind of look back and uh, pick up players and teams that you vividly remember, especially when, you know, there's something special happens, whether it's a run at a championship or during, you know, certain years of your life and stuff. So that's always something that's, you know, added fun to the hobby. Pete Alonzo is having... An absolutely epic rookie season, all-star, home run derby participant. I think he has the uh, mid-season record. I don't know if it's for rookies outright or just Mets, but obviously he's had an incredible year. So that's got to be exciting for you to be able to kind of chase some Pete Alonzo stuff. And they put out so many products, there's certainly rookie cards you can get at a really reasonable price. I've already picked up a couple of the Pete Alonzos, a couple off of you. And then a couple of his prospect, um, first, first Bowman, um, and then the, uh, first Bowman Chrome, but they, uh, they've got pretty pricey pretty quick. So I'm kind of just going to wait for them to cool down a little bit and then I'll jump on some more of them. His autographs, I'm, I'm kind of mad I didn't jump on him like two years ago when, cause he's one of the first prospects that I've heard about that's going to be pretty solid. And I'm always pretty weary of getting on that prospect train, but, uh, I should have jumped on some of his autographs pretty quick and did not pull those triggers. 
I think the problem with baseball is, uh, and obviously it happens with all sports, you get a guy who's super hyped in the NFL and the guy just doesn't pan out. But baseball's tricky because obviously the process of getting to the big leagues alone is can take several years. And then if you get there, you even uh, a star player. So to me, like there's been guys, Phillies prospects that I've picked up and I've never gone crazy with the prospecting for the Phils, but you end up picking up guys and then you're like, this guy ended up getting traded while he was in double A and never even put in a uniform, put on the uniform for that team. Or, you know, in some cases they don't even make the major leagues. And then eventually you're like, I don't even have the memory of this guy being terrible that I can at least laugh and make fun of it. Like, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a weird, uh, it's kind of a weird process in terms of that. Yeah. So at least like with the baseball, like I'm still like, I'm a rookie collector by heart in heart. So like, I want to collect all the rookie, not the autographs, but just like the base rookies. I'm excited about getting those. So, um, that's one thing about baseball. You can go get those first Bowman's, um, and then you can get his rookie cards and then they're not too expensive. Um, trying to pro- do prospect autographs is just a little too much for, too much for risk, I would say for me personally. But yeah, some of those yeah, you can go after some of those uh, prospect guys, and then uh, all of a sudden they're playing for the Philadelphia Phillies, mm-hmm. and uh, they're no no good to me anymore. Yeah, then they're, <laughs> they're beyond like no good if they're with the Phillies, right? Uh, the thing is too with like the Bowman Chrome autos, the first Bowman Chrome autos, you look at it sometimes, you're like, man, these are so cheap. I could pick them up, and maybe one of them will be like a five hundred dollar card eventually. But then at some point, you would realize. Oh, I spent like seven hundred dollars to end up getting one card that became the hot card because there's just so many guys they end up making, and these guys just don't make the major leagues. I mean, you can always scroll through old Bowman Chrome first autos, and you're like, "Wow, who, who are these guys?" It's no surprise they're all listed at dollar ninety nine free shipping. Yes, that's just a that's a game I try not to play with those prospect guys. Like, I almost would rather spend like. If they play for a couple of years um, and they do real well and their card's worth $100 after a couple of years, and I'd rather just spend $100 and buy that card than spending you know hundreds of dollars hoping that these cards are worth some kind of money. Yeah, and the hobby's really pushed towards the prospecting. I mean, prospecting is huge in the hobby, I think, bigger than maybe ever before because you have these – you know, color parallels, low serial numbered cards of guys that are either pop onto the scene and make it fairly big quickly, or people expect to be big and the prices have just kind of escalated over the years. And now you have people spending a couple grand on guys who are in double A. And while I appreciate the, uh, the excitement about these players and the current game, it's just, you, got to take a step back and go is that really a wise investment and when when does this end yeah so even let's to like uh vlad guerrero jr his rookie autos are what several hundred dollars and i can buy his hall of fame dad's autograph for 35 dollars um so it gets a little it's a little ridiculous i mean and no one's going to end up being most of them are going to be aaron judge or mike trout um some of these guys that went their rookie cards have gone a little nuts over the last couple of years. Most of the time, they're just saying they're going to be in dollar cards or autographs will be, you know, $10 cards. What people spend like 
few three hundred bucks on them right now, just hoping that they make it. So yeah, it's I don't know, it's pretty crazy. And um, again, I'm pro current players. Obviously, I love vintage and I love Hall of Famers and I have a great respect for that. But I I think it's important to appreciate the current game as well. But again, the future of the game, it's just a little. It's a little insane, and I guess there's certain cards that uh, make their mark on the hobby, and they just they leave an impression on people, and people compare everything to that. So I think that Mike Trout tops update rookie, the way that price has escalated over the last few years, is really what has kind of um, catapulted tops update to kind of the top of a lot of people's list. A lot of people are always chasing those uh, rookie cards, and you see certain players who are playing well but they're they're like borderline all-star guys and those tops update cards just pop up in price because people are trying to jump on that next big thing have you looked at the christian yelich update rookies now i mean last i saw they were what like 150 or 200 like that might be wrong like Like it's something outrageous they were like 35 bucks in a 10 yeah they're like i think the the chrome is like I think I saw one for over well over a hundred, maybe close maybe close to two hundred, and the base tops was update was eighty seven. I think I looked at it yesterday one on auction. I mean that was a dollar card a year and a half ago. Should have spent a lot of dollars on those. Would have made out well. <laughs> yeah, I should have went through those dollar boxes at the national last year instead of uh, hanging out all all time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I think prospecting is like I like. I like aspects of it for sure. It's definitely um, an added bonus, something a little fun to look at in the hobby. Um, I like the investment angle and not even like truly investing, but just kind of adding stuff to your collection at the right time, getting cards at a good price before they escalate. There's something that's definitely uh, entertaining about that aspect, but I do think it's easy to get carried away. And, you know, when a hobby is popular like right now the hobby is definitely in a growing mode and there's a lot of people there's a lot of excitement about it and enthusiasm and that's awesome but when that does happen that that does bring in people who they don't necessarily have a true love of the cards or any strong meaning um to the cards it's more of a i guess a money grab type of thing so that's just something that happens yeah i'm in here for like the hobby part of the the hobby i collect um i don't sell a whole lot so even prospecting for me would even be good because i there's so many other cards i want to collect and keep for myself i could just wait for stuff to pan out but other people that you know actually you have money to invest in it it's not a it's a great time to do it for sure some like the 2014 2013 five stars they're just pretty nice cards yeah, five um, stars my, pretty epic. A few years ago, I didn't love the uh, silver foil, but the ones they had with the rainbow foil actually looked pretty good. Yeah, and the, I think with those the blue, the blue version uh, parallel, those are actually looked a lot nicer than some of the uh, definitely than the base ones. Um, but that was definitely my least favorite uh, five star year for sure. Five star is just great because you get that good mix of. Not just Hall of Famers, but you get the really good players that are popular. And 
it's a great way to add some of those guys, like an awesome looking on card autograph to your collection, whether it be like a Dave Stewart they've made in the past and, uh, you know, so many other guys that I know I've picked up. I feel like I might have a Carlos Delgado from, from it one year. I think it was. Yeah, Delgado. I think it was 2015. Yeah, 2015 Delgado. The, the white, the white border or just a, the white card five star. That was a Delgado one. Look at my box right now. So, uh, 20, yeah, 2015 five star. That had the Delgado in it. You know, a couple other ones. I'm, I'm looking at Dennis Eckersley, some Andre Dawson's in a lot of these, or I think John Cruck might have been in 2012. One of your guys. Yeah. Um, I, I Eric, forget what year. I think you're right, 2012, but I know I have yeah, that um, for sure. Eric Davis, another old school guy that was a good player. He's in the five star. Will Clark, Chris Sabo, you know guys like that. Yeah, just fun players that you remember watching. Eric Davis. If Eric Davis played in like today's world, he would have been a fantasy darling there for a few years with the power he had, uh-huh. the speed. He would have been one of those guys who helped a few guys win fantasy baseball leagues and then they probably would have PC'd his stuff and I bet his uh, his cards would have been pretty hot there for a while in uh, today's world with all the stuff they make. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, really for him, I mean, guys like that from the 80s get like three rookie cards. That's all we had for us to do, like Donruss, Fleer, and Tops. So yes, yeah, so if he had a prospect auto and just a, even a Chrome, top Chrome rookie, I mean, they'd probably be super hot. So, five stars, awesome. You mentioned Gypsy Queen. Gypsy Queen autographs, I'm a huge fan of. They're pretty pricey because that product is, it's tough to pull some of the big name autographs. You usually get like the $2 ones mm-hmm. if you're to break it. But I love the look of them. Uh, but a set that definitely is a standout. And it's something that you actually turned me on to is Tops Retired. Uh, those cards, those chrome autographs of whether they're Hall of Famers or just star players are absolutely fantastic. And uh, kind of ever since you really introduced me to them, that's where I've been trying to pick up the Phillies ones. And, and you know, it's beyond Phillies. I'll pick up other players as well when I can. Uh, but those cards are unbelievable. So I know you have uh, quite a few of them, and they're pretty stellar looking. Yeah, so the like the two thousand three, two thousand four, tops are tired are pretty nice. Uh, the the two thousand four those bl- that black border, those are just fantastic with those blue autographs that just pop. Uh, I think I had the uh, the blackjack McDowell. It was probably one of the ones you saw first that you probably just like whoa. And I know for you for a Phillies fan, they have I think John Crux in that Darren Dalton. Um, I'm not sure who else from the. I know they made Dale Murphy. Sets. I definitely picked up the Dale Murphy. Uh, Carlton, yeah, so I think that was Carlton's in a set. Well, maybe not the. He might not be in the black border here, but I think Schmidt's pretty pricey. I just actually picked up. I didn't even show it off yet, um, but I picked up a Robin Roberts. He's that's the white border one. I won that at a fairly low price. So I was just. Psyched to add that one to the collection. Yeah, and I might have actually been watching that card too. Actually, <laughs> uh, so I think it was. It wasn't that long ago when it was 
yeah, I think I think I was watching it and then it, it passed and I never bid on it or nothing. But yeah, for sure. That was um I know the Mike Schmidt two thousand four is pretty expensive, especially if they come in like the refractor. Um those are super expensive. Well like usually they're all over about a hundred bucks, especially the big name players and then you get even to a couple hundred. So I've been looking for the Yogi Berra um one. I just haven't pulled the trigger on that one yet. That's the next one I'm probably gonna be Maybe trying to snag. What's that one generally sell for? Um, yeah, I really I don't have a a price on it. I think it was I want to say minimum of fifty, probably close to a hundred, yeah. somewhere in the fifty to hundred bucks, somewhere in there. I just noticed some of the some of the Hall of Famers in those sets can get fairly pricey, but they're just beautiful looking cards. I I mean I never broke that stuff or anything, so I'm not even entirely sure what the breakdown was like. Did you ever see that product broken back in the day or not really? Like, do you know how they distribute it? Um, so I, I think they were just, it's normal hobby boxes because they come with base cards. <clears throat> um, so I think they just came in normal packs, just tops retired was this name of the product. Um, but I wasn't in the hobby back then. So I kind of, I missed a lot of that, all that good stuff. Yeah. That was when I wasn't, I was in a big time lull, uh, so that's why I was just always wondering because they're in those cases. So I'm, I've always wondered kind of like how were they released? Cause I do know this tops retired base cards. So I was just, I just thought maybe, maybe new offhand, but they're no, unbelievable. They might've been like a, like one pack, maybe to a, to a box, maybe something like that, where they had like the, the base and then the one, uh, was it in case card? But I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah, they're just awesome, though. If people are out there listening and you're not familiar with Tops Retired, I mean, if there's a specific player or team you collect, just do yourself a favor, pop over to eBay, avoid the ones that maybe Dave or myself are possibly bidding on, and, uh, you know, just check them out. I mean, you don't have to pull the trigger right away, but they're definitely gorgeous cards, and there's a fairly nice selection, so you can get uh, some pretty cool players and they're just stunning looking cards, beautiful autograph baseball cards. Well, if they are listening, they actually could probably tell you right now might be the best time for them since I'm not spending any real money on cards for the next three weeks. So, um, might be a perfect opportunity. You steal some of these from me. Yeah. Go, go buy them right now and then don't buy them later when we're back at it. Yeah. Like second week of August, just quit, quit buying. <laughs> <laughs> So with that being said, one of the reasons might be in a little bit of a spinning freeze is a certain event is coming up. It's an event that is obviously huge in this hobby. It's the National Sports Collectors Convention, the National. It's a gigantic card show. You can probably find most of anything you're looking for. I mean, you have 10 cent boxes, you have dollar boxes, discount boxes, wax boxes, showcases with hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of cards, vintage, modern, everything. Uh, it, it is a huge show. They rotate it to a different city every year. It's usually in Chicago every other year. And then it kind of alternates as of recently between Cleveland and Atlantic City. Dave, the National is obviously a blast. It's an incredible opportunity to immerse yourself in this hobby for a few days 
You can learn a ton. You can look. It's almost worth the price of admission just to look at stuff, let alone buying stuff. There's a huge setup. The companies, Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, they're all set up there. The grading companies, auction houses. But uh, for people involved in social media, the National is beyond a card show. It it can flat out be an unbelievable experience. Am I... uh, Am I right in uh, saying that? Oh, for yeah, one hundred percent. You know, for me, I mean, the cards are the cards are actually like secondary to me when I go to the national. Um, for me, it's about uh, meeting um, fellow YouTubers, uh, meeting some of the, our buddies on Facebook, um, just hanging out, um, talking the hobby with everybody. Um, actually, just sitting down and just uh, having a great conversation with these guys about, you know, what we collect. And then, you know, and then like I said, there's, there's, there's millions of cards there too. So it's, it's not a bad way to spend your day. And then, you know, usually at night we're all hanging out as well. So um, it's, it's three or four days of nonstop hanging out with your buddies and playing with cards. (laughs) Sounds like heaven, right? Yeah. It is uh, a crazy great experience. Uh, obviously, you know you get to hang out with people with common interests. People who are sports fans run into people who enjoy the same team, same sport, and obviously are very involved in this hobby. And of course, this hobby uh, diff- is very different for different people. There are people who spend big money, who invest. There's people who love those cheap boxes. People like to break wax. People who like to buy singles, vintage, modern. Everyone kind of collects different things, different players, different teams. But you all have that common interest in collecting sports cards. And to be able to kind of discuss the hobby in person with other people, it's it's something that not everyone has the opportunity to do. And some people get that opportunity occasionally during the year. But this is the one time during the year where you kind of make that pilgrimage to that that central location with everyone else. And like you said, Dave, I mean, you're hanging up. You're getting up in the morning, chatting at breakfast maybe with someone who is a card collector, then maybe shooting over to the show from 10 to 5 or 10 to 6, whatever it's opened. The show's over. Maybe you take a quick uh, rest, get something to eat. Next thing you know, you're hanging out all night, chatting a little bit about life and the world, but it all kind of comes back to sports and sports cards. So it's, uh, it's definitely, like you said, three or four days of just total relaxation. You kind of forget about everything else in the world, all the worries, all the stuff that, you know, can kind of distract you in everyday life. So it's, uh, it's absolutely worth going. It is an absolute experience, um, to enjoy. Oh, for sure. Like this will be my fourth national, think or Chicago, AC, Cleveland, and then back to Chicago. So this will be my fourth. And uh, they've got better and better every year. Um, this year seems looks like it's going to be pretty epic with how many people we know uh, are going to be there. And, you know, it's kind of funny. So when you go to the National, you know, it's it's four, three, like I said, three or four days of just having a great time. And then you leave and you're just – you can't wait to – the next year's national when you get home. That's how great it is. So it's like, well, as soon as I leave this year, I'm going to be waiting for 2020 and can't wait to go to AC. And that's the one, the one downside of going to the national is like, once you go, 
you can't imagine not going. Obviously, things and life events come up. I know you had this a few years ago, Dave, where you just you can't make it. Uh, you know, family and life, uh, you know, comes first. As much as you sometimes don't, <laughs> you still want to find a way to go. But sometimes you have to be an adult and uh, not go. But once you go, you can't wait to go again, just as you explained. And it's it's just a crazy great experience. I do know, and I don't know if everyone goes through it, but I feel like I go through uh, a little depressive state once the national ends because you kind of you you forget about everything for those three four days and just you're hanging out with people and you know some people you just meet out there, other people are people you see kind of every year at this event. Some people are people you've you know just met for the first time in person, but you've conversed with for years, and it's just it's a strange. It's kind of a strange thing that people who aren't involved in the community, uh, for us on YouTube and of course Facebook, it just, I don't know how to explain it, but it almost feels like you're getting together with like buddies you grew up with, you went through like grade school with. And you, even though you hadn't seen each other in years, once you kind of get together, it just falls into place like you've known each other forever. And I, I feel like it's that same experience. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, um, so I think me and you met in AC National, um, and I felt like me and you have already known each other for years. Uh, you know, when I went to Chicago, I, I roomed with Michael Fabian, and we technically met for the first time in the airport, and it was like meeting my college buddy I haven't seen in years. Um, just because we've talked back and forth um, through Facebook Messenger or watching each other's videos, it's like we just we all know each other. Um, without actually knowing each other. Uh, it's it's kind of cool. Yeah, and I don't know if I even mentioned correctly that Dave, your channel on YouTube is Dave's Midlife Card Crisis. So those listening, be sure to check out Dave's channel. I'll certainly link it down below on the YouTube version of this. If I can on the other um, medias, I will. But if not, just type in Dave's Midlife Card Crisis. I'm sure you'll find them. Something that's uh, for people who are involved in YouTube, something that's uh, really fun, whether you can make it or not, is following the YouTube posts from the National. If you can't make it, you can feel like you made it. And if you do make it, you just get to experience it again and again. And I always check out everyone's videos from the National right around that event and then afterwards and then you know, like it, right now, we're in that, you know, less than a month period where it's coming up in a few weeks and you get in that mode where you start searching for videos you remember watching last year or a couple years ago. And that is, uh, that's a ton of fun. It's fun to see the interactions and people uh, getting together, making videos together, collaborations. Uh, it just brings back those memories. And sometimes you're like, wow, I can't believe that was like three years ago already. <laughs> oh yeah, I've already been in my uh my twenty eighteen and twenty seventeen national video mode. We're just kinda watching all the stuff. I think I've watched the uh our live video a couple times again. Um and then yeah, all your all your like the recaps from last year. I've been watching those mostly every day. So yeah, I'm just I'm getting geared up and um into my national mode right now, for sure. 
Yeah, I was watching the one you did. I guess I don't forget. I guess you did it live. I can't remember, or you record it and upload it. But last year at the bar, where you said something uh, <laughs> like baseball cards and beer or something like yeah, it's just bu- busting packs and yeah. drinking beer. Yeah, busting packs and drinking beer. That was an unbelievable that. night for sure. Uh, I mean, like a dozen plus people hanging out, having a good time. Just. uh just unbelievable. I'm definitely, uh, right now, I feel like getting on a plane and flying to Chicago and just like going, yeah, where's the show? Get it, get it going right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, I can't. It's, I just can't wait. We got really three and a half weeks, something like that. So four weeks. But yeah, I'm ready. It's, um, it's coming up and I can't wait. So yeah, and it's definitely worth doing. Again, like if you don't know people, uh, involved in the community, like you will meet people at this show, and beyond that, like I said, there's so many cards to look at and learn about, and different events going on. It's I can't stress enough that it's absolutely worth doing. I know, you know, it, it's something that can be a hard decision to kind of decide to embark on for the first time. It's not necessarily cheap to get on an airplane if you have to do that and rent a hotel room, but if you can make it work, it's absolutely worth it. So last year, Cleveland wasn't too bad. Um, the flights were not too expensive. I mean, yeah, the uh, we had to drive to the venue, but other than that, like the hotels, yeah, they weren't. I mean, we, I mean, I stayed at the cheaper hotel, but uh, it wasn't that bad. It was pretty inexpensive, and the show was huge and a lot of fun. Um, Chicago obviously is the best with the hotels right next to the connected to the convention center and also all the hotels are connected by skywalks so it's easy to get around there um atlantic city was just the travel was a little bit rough but it was still a great time i'd like to see him go back to baltimore maybe and then maybe some other cities that i've never been to before so looking forward to the national is there anything specific you're planning on potentially purchasing or that you're looking for or uh, is that kind of just you know you have a budget and you see something you like and you may or may not pull the trigger. Yes. I mean, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a budget. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it is at the moment. Um, it could be about 150 a day. It could be $200 a day. Um, so it's just kind of, I try not to spend that much each day, but just depends how much I can bring. Um, if I'm able to bring a little bit extra, I'm thinking about doing a, uh, 19, is it 1993 Pinnacle? The Joe DiMaggio autograph? I can't remember which one, if that's the year. And then, or on a little cheap or cheaper end, I may try to get like a Nolan Ryan and a Mitch uniform autograph, uh, or a Derek Jeter five star autograph if I have extra money. DiMaggio or the Jeter would be kind of high end if I could pull some extra cash. But I think probably the Nolan Ryan and the Mitch uniform would be the big purchase I'll do for the show. Either way, that will be any one of those three cards would certainly be epic additions to the collection and would probably make you go home a uh, happy guy. Yeah. I mean, you know, like last year, I already, I think I bought, I bought two big cards and I bought a bunch of four, $2, two to $5 cards. And I didn't spend that much money. I just, most time I hung out and I found two cards I really liked and I pulled the trigger and the rest of them were just kind of things I needed. Um, but didn't go too crazy and, I didn't over overspend my limits. I think the only thing I overspent on it was that box of tops chrome. But other than that, everything was pretty expensive. 
I mean, that's going to happen and you can always pace yourself a little bit with, you know, taking an hour or two to just dig through some bargain boxes and maybe you find some cool stuff. Maybe you don't. Uh, busting wax is certainly a risk, but it's pretty fun, right? Like, you, there's only so many days a year that you get to uh, bust wax with people who kind of care about breaking wax and kind of have that personal um, interaction with others. So it's hard yeah, to say no to only, wax, right? Yeah, and that's the only time I ever I actually open boxes is usually at the National. They do have some really good deals, so you get some stuff a little cheaper than normal. And then, yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun when you're sitting around a table and there's five to ten people all open a box of cards. And the thing is, again, it's it harkens back to that experience that we talked about. Obviously, you spend decent money for a box of cards. You want to hit something good. You want to do well. Ideally, get something for your personal collection that you're looking for. If not, get something high dollar that you can either keep in the collection and enjoy or maybe get your money back plus. But even if you kind of get smoked, it's uh, it's an experience that you share with others and you can kind of look back and laugh, laugh at it uh, in the future. So, I mean, it's not a complete loss. Again, you want to do well, but it's it's something different. It's a lot different than spending that you know, 150, 100 bucks, whatever you spend, and then just sitting in a room by yourself opening it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's, um, and I always try to bust something too that I, I know I can get some kind of use of, like Topps Chrome last year. There's a lot of good base cards in there, base rookies I need, you know, even some Mets and Yankees for the binders, good player binders. Uh, so I got a lot of use out of the box for sure. I think two years ago I opened up a Diamond Kings, and I'm pretty sure about 70% of the base went into my binders. So it's it was you know, I didn't get my money back, but I still got a lot of good use out of the cards. And in the last so few years, Tops Chrome's really been one of the hot products around that time because it releases I think it usually releases that Wednesday, at least the last couple of years. So it, it's being released as the national is opening. So I mean yeah. people are chasing whatever the hot rookie is uh at that time. Obviously this year people will be chasing those Vlad Guerrero Jr. autos and Pete Alonzo and all those guys. So something tells me that Temptation will probably give in and I'll probably end up busting a box there. But there are cheaper alternatives as well. I know last year there were a lot of guys selling the hanger packs and the blaster boxes, which gives, you know, you have a tougher time maybe hitting the autos because there's nothing guaranteed, but you can still get those base. You can get parallels and stuff. So it's that's one of the products that's fun. But any of the current year products, you can have an opportunity to get those. Um, bonus packs, the pack, the national exclusive packs, that's definitely something to keep in mind. You know, if you're looking for either off-season stuff or f- products from a couple years ago, sometimes they're just sensational deals. Oh, yeah. So it was a couple years ago, we were opening up like Donruss football. It was like $35 a hobby box. Yeah, I don't think you can beat stuff like that. So you can find some really cheap wax and have a good time busting it. You know, even like uh, Topps 2014 Topps Platinum was like forty dollars a box back in uh, we're in Atlantic City. I mean, probably more expensive now that all the rookies, some of them really kind of panned out. But uh, you know, you can find some older wax from a couple of years ago pretty cheap and fun to fun to open and it's a good time. Absolutely, breaking wax, busting packs, drinking beer—it's all a good time, right? <laughs> We're going to put that on a t-shirt. Definitely should have. I feel like maybe I should make those t-shirts and copyright it before I release this and someone else <laughs> it. 
It is. It's just awesome. I, like I said, you know, if you've never experienced the national, absolutely encourage you to do so. And there's a ton of people to ask. I mean, there's so many forums and groups on Facebook that you can just get kind of tips and tricks. A lot of videos being produced with that type of content. It's just fun. It, it's you yeah. Know, even if there's. If you don't have some kind of crazy budget, just to be able to walk by a showcase and sit there and look at like 52 mantles and, you know, maybe Jackie Robinson rookies and some of those cards that are beyond comprehension, you could never consider purchasing. I mean, just to be able to see them in person is, uh, it's pretty neat. And then just looking at showcases, even if you don't purchase a specific card, sometimes you run into some sort of insert or some sort of autograph from a set that you're not familiar with and it kind of piques your interest, and then you can do a little search and see if they made um, a player you do collect in that particular set or team. So it's another way to expose yourself to this hobby and kind of learn learn about it and enjoy yourself. Yeah, like I said, we, we know several people that even they went there with a budget and blew it in the first day, and then they spent four days just walking around looking at cards and had an incredible time. So. You don't have to go there to buy anything. You can just go there to hang out, go there to just, it's like almost like a big museum in there, you know. So instead of going, doing something on a Saturday, you go to the National and go look at old baseball cards. And it's just as exciting. So. Absolutely. And I, uh, the ideal situation is to spend a few days if you can. But if you're local and you can drive there, hey, if you can get there one day, it's better than none for sure. It is, it's quite the experience. It's a great time. I mean, I just, I kind of keep repeating myself, but it's just, it's a blast. It's an unbelievable experience and you're not going to forget it. Once you go, you're not going to want to miss another one. You might have to from time to time, but it's, uh, it's absolutely wonderful just to immerse yourself in this hobby. Like I said, that's kind of all you're thinking about for a few days. You you even forget about kind of eating and stuff. You might eat breakfast, and next thing you know, you're like, all right, well, it's dinner time, and I didn't even think about it because I was so distracted. And having a good time and hanging out with everyone is a ton of fun. Uh, Dave, before we wrap things up here, because believe it or not, we're uh, approaching an hour right now. I know one of your big PCs is 80s rookies. It seems to me, with the growth in the hobby lately, obviously – there are tons of modern day players and current players that are holding pretty strong value and they're really hot, they're popular, and people are buying them up. But beyond that, it seems to me that the 80s cards have increased in value a little bit. And not just that, they've increased in popularity. Uh, there's a lot of people who are finding the hobby again after taking some time off. There's a lot of people who are getting into the hobby perhaps for the first time as their kids are involved in liking the modern day stuff, there's a real focus on the 80s. And I guess it's kind of an age type of thing with the amount of people coming back in the hobby. But it's not just the Hall of Famers. It's the popular players. It's Don Mattingly, Bo Jackson, Jose Canseco, guys that people idolized back in the day. It seems like there's a, a renewed interest in the 80s have, uh, have become extremely popular once again. Oh, yeah. So it's it's like anything. Like everybody says it's a junk wax error. Man, rookie cards are rookie cards. And the 80s had a lot of good players in there. Um, and especially, you know, you know, the older folks like me, I'm, you know, I'm 41 years old. Um, you got some guys that are in their late 30s getting back into the hobby. Uh, this is the era that we grew up with. Um, 
This is a, these are the cards that we're able to now buy cards that we couldn't afford back when we were kids. Now we buy them like the 89 Griffey or even like the 84 Mattingly's. And there, this is so many good players in the eighties that, yeah, it's, it's now kind of like getting to that. It's almost like the, it's the new vintage without being vintage vintage, if you know what I'm saying. Like seventies is considered vintage and now the eighties are getting kind of to that 30, I can't even do my math right now, but it's, you know, they're 30 something years old cards. So the, you're not going to find a lot of eighties cards in gem mint condition anymore either. So there's some value there. Yeah, condition-wise especially, because while the cards were mass-produced and they certainly were not short-printed, they didn't necessarily come perfect out of the pack. You still had wax stains, you still had gum stains, you have a lot of centering issues, and certain sets are more sensitive than others. And hey, they might have produced a ton, but people had a ton. A lot of them got tossed, and there's still plenty to be found, but the more people that owned them in the past means the more people that have memories of these cards and they're bringing back interest. You see this cycle in toys and stuff a lot and uh, even movies and stuff. People kind of relive their childhood with whatever TV shows or movies they grew up with. I mean, it's the same thing with sports cards and sports teams and players. People, you know, we went through this. People who grew up in the 50s love those 50s guys. And people who grew up in the 70s love those 70s guys. And the 80s, the 80s. And we'll see the same thing with this modern uh, group of players. That's just 35 years down the road. So it's a lot of fun. It's, it's kind of fun to see the renewed interest. Gonna see seeing them appreciated again. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's I mean, that's when I got back into the hobby. Was I was all about collecting the '80s guys. Um, I didn't even really know anything about autographs until kind of when I kind of a little bit into it, like maybe a couple months into it, when I started kind of going on YouTube. So I also wasn't buying like breaking packs anymore. I was actually just going on eBay and buying singles, and I was already looking for '80s rookies, uh, maybe a couple of '90s guys, but. You know, that's what got me back in the hobby, and it's what maybe, you know, loved the hobby back as a kid. So, yeah, it's a ton of fun. So, what have you been doing with the 80s guys? Are you mostly just building binders with those rookies, or have you tried to slab some as well? So, I've, I've slabbed some of the, the better ones. Um, they're, they're tough. I've already got like huge gem mint tens, and the, I mean, so I got several nines and several eights, and I'm good with the eights. For the 80s, I mean, it's not like I sell the cards anyway. They just stay in a collection. So as long as it looks good, I'm I'm good with it. Um, but no, I have them all top loaded and um in a box. I get sometimes weary about putting cards in binders, then kind of getting messed up with why they just sit there and stuff on. So the like the 80s, like regular base cards, um, some like good players, but not rookies. I have those in binders, but all the rookie cards are all just top loaded. Yeah, it's definitely a fun project to move on to and i guess you've done the same thing with these 90s guys as well right yeah so i've already like so i finished with the 80s i mean i didn't do any of the, the tops tiffany or like the glossy rookies just like the regular base i have all pretty much every player and i'm not talking about just the top end dollar ones i'm i got guys like you know ron kittle and alvin davis uh, but some of the just the good players i just got all their rookies um so i finished up with the 80s 80s baseball. I'm still working on 80s basketball and 80s football, and then I'm working on the 90s 90s baseball as well. So I got a big spreadsheet of them all, and uh, just trying to knock some off here and there. 
a lot of CMC orders. Yeah, I just remember breaking uh, the rookie card explosion box, and then I get the most random message ever from you. It said something about a Carlos Baerga rookie, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, I needed it. The 1990 Leaf. I needed that for the the 90s rookie set. 90s Leaf is an awesome set. And Baerga, he's one of those guys that he doesn't get a lot of respect in the hobby, but, I mean, he was a fantastic player for quite a while. I mean, he kind of, like a lot of players – didn't quite do it yeah. long enough to be a Hall of Fame type of player, but I mean, he was uh, he was a big time star there for a while. Yeah, and that's and it's it's funny. So like for me, for my collection, like I said, I just I was just talking about you know looking for a Derek Jeter or Joe DiMaggio autograph, but sometimes I'll get these like Carlos Baega rookie cards, and I'm just as excited to have it as I am as any kind of autograph. So there's Collecting these rookie cards, you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's a good cheap way to continue the hobby and have a good time and not kill your wallet. And then, you know, when you have a little money, you go after some of the bigger boys. But some of these do- 50 cent dollar cards are exciting. Yeah, it's definitely fun to uh, to just kind of buy what you want, but buy responsibly. And there's so many ways to collect and there's so many ways for an individual to collect. You don't have to just pick one way that you're going to collect. I mean, you can collect rookies and autos, and you can do budget stuff and higher price stuff. I mean, it's great to mix it all. It's a lot of fun. Uh, before we wrap things up here, Dave, any uh, any advice to maybe some of the newer collectors out there, people who are just kind of looking to find a direction? Any, uh, any thoughts about what people could do to kind of sample things and maybe find some different ways to collect? So, yeah, I would just, you know, you could dabble with a whole bunch of different things. Um, the main thing is find what makes you excited about it. So I would not, I think when you're chasing the value of cards, it's just not going to be as fun for you. Uh, collect the players you like, the teams you like, you know, just if you like rookie cards, you get rookie cards. If you like, just want to be a player collector, be a player collector, whatever you like to do. But I would stay away from, Unless you were just strictly investing in stuff, um, if you want to just enjoy the hobby, um, don't look at the value. Just look at, you know, what makes you happy. You know, sometimes for me too, like the numbered parallels don't, it doesn't excite me if it's like an, a third year, fourth year card. I don't care. I like the rookie cards. So that's just my personal preference. I don't need to have the cards that are numbered 101 or 105. I'm good with some of this one of, 99 or out of a thousand, I don't care. As long as I like the card, I'm happy. I don't have to chase the big dollar stuff. It's all about happiness and collecting. And I mean, I think it can take a while to find your way sometimes in the hobby, too. So there's nothing wrong with dabbling in a few different things. And you will gravitate towards a few different things eventually. And I think your interests change. That doesn't mean you lose interest in certain cards you have, but kind of just shift focus from time to time sometimes you're in that mode where you're really into the rookies or you're maybe wanting to build a set or two and then other times you're just looking for nostalgic cards and things like that so that's something it's like the ebbs and flows of collecting yeah so like even for me like sometimes like i'm trying to so i mean if, if whoever's been watching my videos of late i was I'm kind of getting stuck i'm out of like some of the baseball autographs I want to get. They're just either getting too pricey or there's nothing out there I really I'd like. So I, I started getting some basketball autographs. 
And then, you know, I went on to CMC not that long ago and put 25 bucks on there and picked up about 40 cards, 40 bucks, you know, so I got back into my 90s stuff. So yeah, your hobby will change here and there. You're kind of, sometimes you're collecting nothing but PC. Sometimes you're collecting nothing but autographs. Sometimes you're not even looking at your teams. You're looking at something else, you know, like for you, you built your Phillies set, um, ultimate team set. You know, that was, that's just another project you take on and, once it's done, then I can go on to something else. So whatever's getting you excited at the time. Yeah, and then I've gotten really into some of the pre-war and vintage kind of slabbed Phillies cards. I like having them slabbed. I think it's a great way to keep them, uh, protect them and all that, but identify them because I've been learning about some of the old school stuff. I just I, I know it's not reasonable to make sets of those cards, but if I could pick up like one card from all the different releases and sets and some of the oddball sets... I think that's a great way to learn a little bit about the history of baseball, learn about some players I don't know a lot about, and also add to both a vintage collection and a Phillies collection. And that's the way I kind of have a light focus on it. So that's a project that I kind of moved on to once I finished that base tops Phillies run, which is never really complete because obviously I just had to finally get the Series 2 cards from 2019. And in a few months, I'll 2019 tops update to add to it so there's a lot of fun projects to do of course there's always something new coming out in the hobby and there's always something old that you're discovering in the hobby so it is uh it's ongoing it really doesn't end if you find yourself bored in this hobby i feel like maybe you're just not paying enough attention and maybe you want to expand your horizons a little bit because there's always going to be something new that you haven't discovered there's just so much that's been produced over the last hundred or so years Oh yeah, you can. Like I said, there's. I I I don't know how people do like the player collector guys. Even you know, who was it? Nate has five thousand Barry Bonds cards. I mean, so if if you're a player collector, unless you have all of them, there's always something out there for that player. Or if you just like your teams, there's so many products out there just to collect for your teams. So there's always no. You can't run out of cards. To buy. And if you do run out of cards so. to buy, well, then you must be the richest person in human history because it'd be <laughs> tough to collect them all. All right, Dave, it was a great conversation. Had a blast chatting about this great hobby with you. Certainly fired up to meet up with you in Chicago. The National is a blast. Again, I encourage everyone to uh, eventually find a way to make that pilgrimage if you haven't. It's a ton of fun. You will absolutely have a great time uh enjoy the hobby collect what you love head over to youtube and check out dave's midlife card crisis dave thank you uh thank you greatly for joining me tonight yeah, thanks for having me on i appreciate it definitely a blast always fun to uh to chat with you appreciate everyone listening you can check out the podcast on itunes on SoundCloud, on YouTube. Appreciate if you go like it, post some comments on whatever format you're listening to. Certainly appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening and have yourselves a great one. I got to be honest, I was definitely expecting to hear a go Jets or Mets at the end. <laughs>